It's Friday, March 13th. Welcome to Skim This. We're breaking down the most complex stories of the day and giving you the context on why they matter. Today, President Trump declared a national emergency over the COVID-19 outbreak. He said more Americans should be able to get tested soon, but it's still an uphill battle. Then we'll look at one challenge facing families as schools around the country are closing, feeding the nearly 30 million students who rely on free school lunches. And finally, we'll try to lighten the mood with a truly one-of-a-kind member of the animal kingdom. We're here to make your evening smarter. Let's skim this. Today's episode is brought to you by Panera's Unlimited Coffee Subscription. Your cup is always full. When it comes to testing sick people for COVID-19 in the U.S., it it is a failing. Let's admit it. On our show yesterday, we told you about a hearing on Capitol Hill where the director of the National Institute of Allergy and Infectious Diseases, Dr. Anthony Fauci, said the U.S. isn't set up to handle all the tests it needs to do. China and South Korea have each tested hundreds of thousands of people. And the Trump administration promised to make over a million tests available. But still, only about 14,000 people in the U.S. have been able to get tested for COVID-19, the disease caused by coronavirus. So why are these tests so hard to get? It all starts with the fact that there just aren't that many tests out there. Bureaucratic red tape kept local labs from developing tests, so they could only use the federally approved ones. You might remember from your econ class that low supply and high demand can sometimes be good for business. Well, this isn't one of those times. Since there weren't that many tests, the CDC initially put really strict requirements on which patients could get tested. Basically, you had to have a fever, breathing problems, or have visited parts of China. They later expanded that to people who visited other countries experiencing major COVID-19 outbreaks. But a lot of people who wanted to get tested still couldn't. And on top of that, it didn't help that there were only two labs at the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention that were able to run the tests. So there was a bottleneck, and even the patients who were tested still had to wait for their results. Tara O'Toole is an executive vice president of the nonprofit investment firm InQtel. We have not done a great job with diagnosing COVID-19 or having the materials that we need to do these diagnoses on a mass scale. The irony of that is that we're in a renaissance era of diagnostic technologies. Over the last few weeks, more tests have been created. That means doctors can use their own judgment to decide which patients need testing. Now, some state and local public health labs are able to run their own tests. But still, demand for testing outpaces supply. So while you might be seeing that just over 1,600 people have been diagnosed with COVID-19, that number could actually be much higher. So what's the government actually doing to fix this? This afternoon, President Trump declared a national emergency over the COVID-19 outbreak and released a plan to increase the number of tests that can be administered across the country. Today, we're announcing a new partnership with private sector to vastly increase and accelerate our capacity to test for the coronavirus. Here's what he announced. First, the Department of Health and Human Services is going to put one guy in charge of COVID-19 testing across the public and private sectors. The Assistant Secretary for Health, Admiral Brett Joie, because there are just way too many cooks in the kitchen right now. Then the Food and Drug Administration will start to authorize more public and private labs to test for the disease. One thing that's getting brought up in a few states is drive-through testing sites. Kind of like McDonald's, but without the Happy Meal. 
One new COVID-19 test that Trump also announced this afternoon will reportedly be able to provide results within a matter of hours, which is quite a bit faster than most of the tests used until now. And the FDA will create a 24-7 hotline for labs. So labs can call in if they're having problems getting authorized tests, if they need to process tests, or if they're having issues validating a test. Reportedly, Google is also building a website to help Americans figure out if they should be tested, where to go to get a test, and to even see their results. The URL for that site is still TBD. Finally, in what could end up being a bipartisan agreement, Speaker of the House Nancy Pelosi announced these tests could be free. She's fast-tracking legislation in the House to make that a reality. We can only defeat this outbreak if we have an accurate determination of its scale and scope so that we can pursue the precise science-based response that is necessary. Whether these moves from the government will actually help diagnose more people and limit the spread of COVID-19 is still TBD. But if they don't, one possible fix could come from overseas. Jack Ma is the founder of the Amazon of China, Alibaba, and his charitable foundation announced today that it's donating 500,000 testing kits and a million face masks to the U.S. Like we've said before, we're all in this together. So what's the skim? Efforts have been ramping up to get more people tested for COVID-19 across the country, but it's still going really slowly. Today, the Trump administration announced a new game plan to organize the whole process. It's putting one health official in charge of coordinating the testing, authorizing more testing sites, and creating an FDA hotline. And hopefully all of that will make a huge difference. After the break, as more schools close around the country, we'll look at what this means for millions of students who depend on schools for food. That's next. Here at HQ, our mornings begin with coffee. Our afternoons are fueled by it. And sometimes our nights, too. Some days call for hot, some call for iced, but most call for the biggest size. That's why we love Panera's unlimited coffee subscription. Because we get unlimited coffee, hot or iced every day of the week for only $8.99 a month. So whether you need fuel for an hour or fuel for an overnight shift, Panera's got you. Fuel your day with Panera's unlimited coffee subscription. Learn more and sign up at PaneraBread.com. More and more people are working from home, including us. Public health experts say keeping our distance is one of the best shots we have at fighting this thing. That's why millions of kids in the U.S. are out of school today. Officials in states like Michigan, Maryland, New Mexico, and others have said school's out. Not forever, but for the next few weeks. One report says over 18,000 K-12 schools have shut down nationwide. And some want that number to be higher. This week, the hashtag #CloseTheSchools has really been trending on Twitter. At least 29 countries have shut down their schools, including Japan, China, and Italy, which could help stop the virus from spreading, but creates a new set of problems. Here's one of them. In the U.S., almost 30 million kids rely on free school lunches. So what do these school closures mean for them? What plans are in place to feed these students? You see, some pre-K through 12 students get free meals through U.S. Department of Agriculture programs. There's a school lunch program and a breakfast one. Children can qualify for those meals based on a number of factors, including their household's income. Rachel Frisk used to be the assistant director in charge of nutritional assistance at the U.S. Government Accountability Office. Now she's at the research organization Mathematica. Those are families who generally have lower income. In this school year, 
That's a family um, of four with an income of about $33,000 a year. So some states are applying for waivers that would keep these programs running even during school closures. So far, Washington, California, Illinois, and others have been approved. Normally, kids have to eat these meals in group settings, like the cafeteria. But now, these waivers let kids take food home, everyone's new hub of social distancing. Another thing in the works? You know that massive emergency response bill that the House has been working on? One of the things it includes would help some families pay for food. That's if a kid in their household is out of school for at least five consecutive days. House Democrats and Republicans have been going back and forth about what should be included. So stay tuned. Some schools aren't waiting on the federal government, though. One New York City charter school is reportedly giving families bags of rice, pasta, and beans to feed kids in case they have to close their doors. Chicago Public Schools reportedly set up a hotline for families to call into if they need meals or other support. And with more and more schools expected to close, we might see more creative solutions in the days ahead. So what's the skim? Food insecurity is becoming a part of the conversation as more schools close nationwide. Some kids don't have to go to school, but their parents still have to go to work or might be struggling to afford a nutritious meal. The actual programs being rolled out to fix this problem are changing day by day. But Frisk, the school nutrition expert from the beginning, is hopeful this is one problem that can get worked out in the days and weeks ahead. The schools are trying to decide just like we all are on a moment to moment basis. And um, I think it's great that USDA did put guidance out this week and the response that looks like the immediate response by states is, is a good sign that people are moving in the right direction and that the important folks um, are thinking about how to make sure children continue to be fed. A few weeks ago, the Democratic primary debates were wild. Here's the deal. I'm not out of time. You spoke over time and I'm going to talk. Here's the deal. With seven candidates on stage, they had to shout over each other to get a word in. We were talking about math and it doesn't take two hours to do the math. And in Charleston, South Carolina, supporters of the different candidates decided to get in on the action, too. Now, if you look... Thankfully, the next Democratic debate on Sunday is likely to be a bit more chill. It's happening in one of CNN's studios in Washington, D.C., without an audience. And there will be just two candidates on stage, former VP Joe Biden and Vermont Senator Bernie Sanders. To be fair, though, both of these men are pretty loud talkers. Here was Biden talking at slash yelling at Senator Elizabeth Warren in a debate last October. I went on the floor and got you votes. I got votes for that bill. I convinced people to vote for it. So let's get those things straight, too. And Sanders' volume was even joked about when he went on The Tonight Show with Jimmy Fallon to slow jam the news. 50 years of service giving people the power. He's heard it all except the words, please talk louder. Okay, so Biden and Sanders might turn up the debate volume all on their own. In fact, they've already started debating what'll probably be the biggest issue of the debate. Yes, we're talking about COVID-19. Yesterday, both of them gave speeches saying why they'd be the best leader during a health crisis. When I'm president, we will be better prepared, respond better, and recover better. We'll lead with science. We'll listen to the experts will heed their advice. We need to make sure 
that in the future, after this crisis is behind us, we build a health care system that makes sure that every person in this country is guaranteed the health care that they need. The Big Show starts Sunday, March 15th at 8 p.m. Eastern on CNN, CNN.com, and Univision. For more on the big issues the candidates might debate and all things 2020, head on over to theskim.com slash election. Before we go today, we've got a fun fact coming to you from the forests of Nicaragua the home to a particular species of treehopper. So they're related to cicadas, distantly related to cicadas. That's Brendan Morris, a graduate student at the University of Illinois. As a student, he got really into this one treehopper discovered 30 years ago, but it didn't have a name. They have these kind of crazy elaborate horns or various structures coming off of what we call the pronotum. It's like their shoulders, basically. After doing the scientific grunt work of describing why this treehopper species was different from the rest, he realized this bug was just too fantastic not to be named after someone equally fantastic, like Lady Gaga. That's right, Morris named the species after Lady Gaga. Kaikaya Gaga, that flows, that's great. And it's kind of purplish, it's got horns, and we only know it from one specimen. Gaga is one of a kind. So I thought it was just too perfect. Morris, if you're listening to this, we've got some suggestions for your next discovery. Kai Kaya Swift, Kai Kaya Beyonce. Just some food for thought. And that's all for Skim This. Thanks again for listening and be sure to hit subscribe and rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. If you want to add the skim to your morning routine, sign up for our free newsletter, The Daily Skim, right on our website at theskim.com. It's everything you need to know to start your day right in your inbox. 